Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Murder, She Spoke, the Murder, She Wrote podcast, where I analyze each episode, um, discuss cinematography, um, different methods of criminology. Um, I discuss how the writing is, like, how the writing goes about keeping the um the viewer informed and still making the murderers um you know not very obvious um so yeah today's episode is one of my favorites um i watched it a long time ago it's season one episode 12 capital offense and um it's pretty absolutely ridiculous the premise but i uh i really like it so we'll get started the uh first um opening shot after the credits is a uh, bird's eye view of the capitol building in washington dc um it's the standard kind of like stock footage the episode uh, starts um, with congressmen and two other men in, um, I believe, an apartment or, yeah, it's an apartment, not a hotel room. Um, and they're having a little cocktail, kind of like with their close friends, a cocktail party. Um, there's all the political tension. The one guy wants to talk about a bill. The other guy is like... Well, they're trying to make deals, essentially, but in a more casual environment, and they're, it's, um, it's awkward, usual political awkwardness, um, the one guy is talking about how, um, politicians get elected, and then they think, like, they're free, but, like, they owe people something for their, being the elected official, um, I mean, when a person is elected in the office, they serve the people of the country. So, like, yeah, once they become a poli- like once they become elected, it's not like they they shouldn't be able to just do whatever the hell they want. They should they should keep the interest of the people the at the forefront of um of their actions. Um, the three men kind of crowd around each other, and the one's like, hey, we need to talk some business, and he's like, why business? It's a party, blah, blah, blah. And that is when the lady over by the drink table has a special spy camera, um, that is a lighter, and she takes photos of them, so obviously... I foresee a uh, blackmail situation happening. Um, we'll see, though. I don't really remember this. Okay, so the older congressman, there's an older congressman, I believe. Um, he knocks on the door, comes in, um, collapses. You get the, uh, the lady gets a photo of the three of them over his body. Blackmail, blackmail, blackmail. 
good so, sh good uh scene though i like the uh, the shot of all of them crouching over his body and um oh and then the next shot is cabot cove um which always i get way excited to see because my favorite episodes take place in cabot cove i love cabot cove which is weird because in real life i don't like smaller cities i like bigger cities better but for some reason there's something about cabot cove that is much more warm and welcoming than seeing the sh uh, show set in New York or anywhere else, which I honestly think they do that on purpose. Um, either that or just the air of the 80s. is I really hate the 80s aesthetic in office buildings. Um, and that's not... Um, Cabot Cove isn't very 80s. Um, it's old world, like... Things are the same. It's not like... How do I explain this? Like, office buildings in the this show... The dec decor is very, like, mod. Like, rounded corners. Everything kind of looks plastic. Like, you would be in an 80s workout mu uh, music video. Um... Cabot Cove, it's classic. It's been the same for decades. I mean, the houses were built probably in the 20s. What decorates Cabot Cove is timeless stuff. Like, the houses are all the same. There aren't any, like, super new houses. Um, like, in Jessica's house... You don't see anything... Like, there are computers, obviously, and TVs that are modern, but, like, they're not so trendy that they they don't age well, essentially. Um, I'm not a fan of 80, the 80s aesthetic, like, at all. So, I think that might be why I really hate when they do episodes in New York, because everything is so, like, gray and corporate and 80s. And it's just uh, so grotesque to me. Not that I'm not into corporate stuff, because modern-day corporate country clubs, dark, dark wood and marble, I love that stuff. The 80s look so cheap. Another shot panning through Cabot Cove is starting with the, um, the ocean, um, the waves are beautiful the scenery very nice pan in it um it then jumps to uh jessica's house which we've seen in a billion episodes already they show it i think in every single one um her house bothers me it's all aesthetically pleasing but very like distinct like it's def like it's one of those things like if someone was on a game show and they showed you the house, you'd be like, oh yeah, that's Jessica Fletcher's house from Murder She Wrote. Um, just because everything about it is white except the roof, so like the trim's white, the walls are white, the um, every every single bit is white, which is so weird. Um. 
Especially because inside her house, it's not white. Like, if it was an aesthetic thing, like, that she carried, like, she was into maybe white or white lace or, like, floral things. But her, inside her house is dark. Like, it's, like, oak wood, dark colors, like, but the outside, it just reminds me of something, like, Hitchcock or maybe, like, um, something you'd see in The Shining. Um, but I can't point, pinpoint exactly what it is. It's just, like, it's the house. And the inside is something totally different. It's really weird. So, the guy that collapsed earlier, we find out. Um, well, one of the guys comes to Jessica's house. Um... And we find out that the guy that collapsed earlier died, and he was a congressman. Um, but the news of his death hasn't been released yet. So he's like, hey, the governor's going to ask you to fill this seat. And she's like, what? You can't be serious. This is why, like, this is one of the funnier things about Jessica and the writing on this show. This kind of is insane as a plot. Um, like, the governor wants this mystery writer who um, taught high school English to take take the senator's place, or this congressman's place. Um, granted that Jessica is a world-renowned uh, mystery writer, but also... It'd be one thing if they asked her to take the place of, um, you know, a professor at a college. Like, that makes sense. But also, she might... Also, politicians aren't always politicians when they begin. She's around the right age to be hopping into D.C. Um, and she has friends in the game, so, like, clearly there's some favoritism going on there. Not that I don't believe she would do a great job. It's just a very weird. Um, so I like how Jessica, like if someone said that to me, I'd be so excited. I'd be like, yes, oh my goodness. I would love to, you know, go to DC and take the seat, an interim seat until the election. Um, Jessica, like, just doesn't believe some of the ridiculous things that happen. Like, her reaction is like, um, what? Are you insane? And I think that makes the storyline work a little bit better. Because, like, if it was just, hey, the governor wants you to fill the seat. And she was like, oh, yeah, of course. You know, this is so exciting. It would be more, less realistic um, but the fact that Jessica plays into the fact of how ridiculous the scenario is makes it more realistic. Um, mainly because she's, she's recognizing how ridiculous the storyline is in the context of the event in, you know, the writing. Okay, so I thought this was a little bit different. I'm, she is representing the state of Maine um, in during some bill proposals. So that makes a little bit more sense rather than randomly f replacing a 
um, person in the government. Um, so Jessica is being picked because she is has integrity. She's non-partial. She um, and she's well known. So and well-liked mostly, um, and she has the heart of Maine, um, like, she, they picked her because she, they know that she would, um, she would protect Maine and make sure that it's, um, best, the best interests were at heart there with that, so she is now the Maine representative, the representative for Maine, um, which makes a lot more sense than just randomly replacing, like, Hi, Senator. Jessica downplays her intelligence intentionally, and it bothers me. Uh, she plays off of that, oh, I'm an old lady. Oh, this is so sweet. I've never been treated like this before, which is an asset because people underestimate her, so they don't ever think of her as a threat. Um, which is probably why she's so well-liked, because she doesn't pose a threat. She's not interested in politics, so they picked her as a politician. Um, she doesn't want any special treatment, so they don't mind giving her special treatment, because then they, like... Like, politicians are probably okay with Jessica coming in to fill the interim seat, because they know that she's not going to stay there. They know that once her time is up and once the election happens, she's not going to, like, try and continue to keep her power. She's not going to um, fight against them. So no one has any reason to be um, feel like they have to compete with her. Um, so, of course, she'd be well-liked, and they're going to try and win her favor, I'm sure. Um, and she doesn't come across as, like, abrasive or super intelligent when you like with her the persona she projects like on the daily is just simple old lady she plays into that very hard um and that's where that's how she gets very far because like even investigating murders it's like she plays the, uh, it's just an old nosy lady, I'll just let her do or whatever, or you're an old lady. But then also, on the flip side, a lot of police don't believe her because they think she's an old, <laughs> old nosy lady, busybody sort of thing. But, um, she's very persistent in that, in those scenarios, so, um, which also, on that side, it helps her because... No one's going to toss her out of the police station or um, arrest her for her for like stalking <laughs> certain crime scenes because she's an old lady. They're what are they gonna do? Um, but like she she's clever. She's so clever. She's so smart, and she plays it off very well. As a character, but just uh, but Angela Lansbury as the actor plays that character so well that dynamic that oh I'm just going along for the ride ha 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 um and there's a switch between 
when she comes across a murder and she gets very interested, there are two times, like, either she, they, the police or someone seeks her out to help with the mystery, or she's very interested in it first, and she tries to weasel her way into it. And those are two very different um, sides to her personality, because... Half the time she's like, oh, it's none of my business. Uh, you, police can take care of it. And she's not being, like, facetious at all. Like, she generally is like, this is none of my business. But then other times she just gets so caught up in curiosity. Or she notices something really odd and out of place. She just rides that until she freaking solves the crime. <laughs> Um, and I think that's a really interesting. And tying into what I was just talking about, she um, she plays into that old lady um, thing, but then, like, she calls people out when they, like, fall for it. Like, she's in the car with this guy, and he's like, your biggest decision will be where to go to lunch. And she's like, bitch, don't paint me for a fucking... Small town, um, old lady, I'm here to do my job. And he was like, oh my god, I'm sorry. Like, he's, he, um, he thought he was just, you know, <sighs> driving around some old lady that's being treated well just to hold the seat while, um, um, but they, that might be also, like, the people that wanted her in that seat know that she would do a really good job. And the people that don't know her aren't against her having the uh, the interim seat because they don't think she's a threat, like I mentioned before. But, like, even not on a political, like, career level, but also on a... They're passing many important bills. So... Um, they think should be pushover. Um, they'll able to. They'll be able to get their bills passed that they want. Um, it's a very weird uh, thing that she does. Um, I guess w which makes her character very um, relatable and human. Like they're leaving the airport, and she's like, "Oh, I can't believe all the, you know, the red carpet treatment." And then she jumps to. Don't fuck with me. I'm here to do a job. I'm not here to, like, coast. And then it jumps to a scene where they're walking. I think it's in the Capitol building. They're walking and everything's made out of marble and it's gorgeous. And they're, like, um, painted ceilings and um, essentially looks like a very old um, Renaissance church on the inside. Um... And she's like a little kid, like, oh, ooh, wow, look at, look at the, how big this is. And you know, in like five more minutes, she's going to be like, taking names. <laughs> um, and I think that's what makes her character ridiculous, but also realistic, because I feel like I would be the same way. Like, though I wouldn't show it, I'd play it way cooler. Like, in my head, I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Well, I don't think she has anything to prove. I mean, I think she's in her 70s. She doesn't have anything to prove the character in general. Um, she doesn't She doesn't have to 
impress anyone. She has her career. She's a retired teacher. I mean, who does she need to impress? No one. I mean, she's doing what she wants. She didn't write a book to be famous. Um, so in that sense, she's a very pure character because she is no, she doesn't give a shit. She doesn't care what people think about her. She doesn't care, um, as long as she gets the truth, she does the right thing in her own eyes, she gets shit done, and, which leaves her, it gives her such freedom to butt her head into places where it doesn't belong to get the truth out for murder investigations, and she gets to act like how she really wants to. I mean, she doesn't have to play it cool. She can go into that Capitol building and let everyone think she's like a child ooing and eyeing over this, the architecture. Um, but then the next second, she'll just destroy them. And I think that's, that's really great. Um, she doesn't... Um, that's something I feel like people gain when they get a lot older. Um, younger people have a lot more to prove. Um, like, she may be, um, thought as, you know, a simple old lady from, um, a small town. But, like, they, people respect older people more than, like, someone in their 20s or 30s was given a seat like that, they'd have to really fight for their right to be there, for their right to speak. Um, they'd have to prove themselves. Where, like, because she's old, um, she kind of has an advantage, especially in the political world. Um, because, you know, you're old, you're in. That's <laughs> such a hard thing for people that want to be in politics and they are young and they're not taken seriously. Um, like, when, um, AOC was elected, um, I remember Nancy Pelosi was like, oh, yeah, you know, she has some great fresh ideas, I welcome her ideas, but, like, she kind of would push them aside, which I understand, too, because Nancy Pelosi has been in the game for, like, decades, Joe Biden has been in the game for, like, 40 years. There are things that they know. There are things, there are different methods of getting things done that they know that the people that are younger are just coming in. Even, but even, like, older people that are just coming in, they don't know. But it seems like the younger politicians that are coming in are bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, don't have any experience and don't know what, they're getting, like, they know what they're getting themselves into. Like, they have good intentions, but they don't realize that it's more complicated than that. Um, I understand that you can't go in there, propose a bill, fight your case, get everyone on your side, and then pass it. It's not that simple. It's difficult. They're very complicated steps and ways to get around people who will vote against you 
um, deals that have to be made. Um, and you have to play the game. You know, you have to appeal to your voter base. Um, and your what the way you describe the bill or its perks to one person might have to be um, a different... You have to, might have to describe it in a different way to another person so that they're getting what they want and you're also getting what you want and you know what they want. And it's, it's, um, it's a cycle that I think a lot of uh, younger people, um, especially people my age, um, they don't realize it's not as simple as write the bill, pass the bill, get the votes, pass the bill. Like, um, so yeah, I think that's why it's harder for younger people to like, be accepted because they clearly don't know anything, which isn't their fault. They're new. Uh, After that um, political rant. Now the guy walking with Jessica, who's her aide or whatever, is a very, like you can tell he's been in DC for a bit. He has a fast walk, good posture. Uh, he, uh, hands in his pockets, he, uh, he's comfortable there, which is great acting. He's a perfect actor for this. His attitude, his face, his everything, lovely. Um, and now he's very much enjoying Jessica's company because she's acting like a child, but he knows damn well that she is a grown-ass genius. (laughs) Um, and so they're having a good time. And, um, they're walking in the hall, and then one of, uh, the guys, um, that was at the party when the, uh, the other guy died. Sorry. Not good with names. <laughs> um. He, uh, he's like, hey, we need to get, uh, we gonna need to talk about this main bill, blah, 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 blah. Um. And you know, like, from the get-go, he's like a slimy politician. Just the way he talks to Jessica, that you know he's going to try to put one on, over on her very quickly. Um, which Jessica responds by saying, oh, he seems nice. But, like, it's almost like it was a front. Like, she already made a judgment in her head. And her face did, it it was like, I can tell you're a piece of shit, but I'm going to play nice old lady. Because I know that's going to come back. Um, She clearly can read people very well. You know, sometimes Jessica can be a really cool bitch. Like, the, um, the guy in her walked into the section of offices it's like they walk in from the hallway and there's a big room where like the assistants administrative assistants are um and then the next room um is her office and it is all decked out like dark wood leather um like like high-end country club what you'd expect like an old world like smoking club or something to look like um, 
brass fixtures, um, oil paintings. And she enters the room, and instead of being super thrilled, she's like, ah, yes, this'll do. <laughs> she's so funny. Also, she's a boss, because the, um, administrative assistant, the lady that they meet, um, she's like, my resignation's on your desk, and she's like, why? They're like, well, um, the incoming person usually brings their own staff, and she's like, bitch, you're good. <laughs> so she throws away the letter like a freaking boss. Okay, so... The next scene um, is Jessica and her sexy um, assistant um, who's helping her around town. Um, they're at the hotel, and she's checking in. But a mysterious man, um, he's bald, has a beard, kind of looks like Eastern European. Um, he's listening to them check in. He's obviously there for a reason. Okay, so, we don't know what the guy with the, the bald guy's doing, but, um, the random, one of the guys who's, Perkin, I don't know any names, one of the guys came, called Jessica at night and was like, I need to talk to you immediately. They scheduled a meeting for the morning, so, um, he's one of the guys that moved the body in the beginning of the episode, um... And then it cuts to a lady, the lady who took the photos of them moving the body. Um, she's obviously going to blackmail him. So um, we'll see how this turns out. Jessica's pretty good at um, cutting through all the bullshit. Oh shit, we find out the bald guy is a detective. Um, and Jessica finds out that Congressman Wendell Joyner was murdered. Um, but Jessica is a fucking boss, and the guy's following her, and she, like, steps out into, like, a corridor, and, um, she already knew he was following her, so she caught him in the act and was like, can I help you? And I'm like, oh, man, he probably thought he was being real, real sneaky, fucking nothing, you can't get anything past Jessica. Okay, the first thing I notice is... <laughs> Um, the okay, Jessica and the detective sit down, they're talking. Freaking, he has back issues, and he pulls out a bottle, of pre a prescription bottle. And it's so fucking tiny, like, what is that? It, it It's, like, so tiny. <laughs> he holds it with his thumb and his pointer finger, and it's like a little a bottle for for a doll. And the guy who wanted to talk to Jessica looks like he's dead in the alley, so... Um, when, here's the lesson you need to learn, guys. When someone calls you and you're known for solving murders and they say, we need to talk right away and it's like midnight, um, and you say, can we talk in the morning? And they pause and are like, uh, sure. N fucking don't do it. You got to talk to them that night. They have something that's going to kill them. It's always the thing. That's the only... That's the... Like, one of the only continuous tropes that they use. Um, 
like you it's not that often but it's also like so cliche um like i need to talk to you can it wait okay and then they're dead the next morning um they're pretty unpredictable um regarding the storyline with a lot of other things oh never mind he's alive um they some he somehow ended up in an alley and it looked like he was dead um but he is not and a bum is rifling through his pants pockets while he's laying in the alley so we find out this is a twist i was wrong i was totally wrong i should have known um i expected it to be the i need to talk to and then he dies in the morning before he can talk to jessica but nope they flipped the motherfucking script on me. Um, Congressman Dan Kepner, who is the guy that called Jessica, um, and the guy that the blonde lady uh, blackmailed, find out that he doesn't remember what happened the night before, and his jacket and everything was found in the lady's apartment, and she is dead. So the blackmailer is dead, rather than the blackmailee, and... That is a flip on the script, which means coming up, he's probably going to have to deal with, like, jail and shit. Okay, so I'm trying to do better at not describing the whole freaking plot because I'm assuming that if you're listening to this podcast, you've seen the episode. Um, if, uh, if you like me describing the plot, send me a message, message on Twitter at M. Wellman. Um, I like to hear feedback just so I know what you guys like listening to. But anyway, um, so the guy, um, the guy that was being blackmailed, he's in the police station. The detective goes to Jessica, um, says something's not right. He reveals, the um, the bl- guy getting blackmailed reveals that they did, in fact, move the congressman's body. But he died on his, you know, he died on his own. Um, essentially, what, like, what actually happened? They moved his body because they didn't want a scandal. Um, in that, he doesn't remember anything from the night before of that lady's apartment. And that he only drank ginger ale, and he said he didn't drink any alcohol. And Jessica's given, like, Jessica, he's telling Jessica everything that happened. Um, and Jessica's given him the eyes, trying to tell if he can, he's lying or not. Okay, so after that, Jessica, the boss-ass bitch that she is, goes and sees the dead body. She makes them pull it out of, like, she, she goes to the coroner the morgue, and she's standing there stone-faced, waiting for them to show her the body, because I'm sure she found some clue or something. Okay, so, they're in the morgue. Apparently, the body was very messy. Um, Jessica didn't enjoy that. Um, They figured out that Jessica, being amazing, Figured out that if he had beaten that woman, he would have had blood and makeup on his hands. And, like, he would have more blood on him. So they figured the person that they he was um, rendered unconscious. The guy killed the woman. 
and then some guy we don't know who yet um killed the woman and then dragged his unconscious body into the alley um which i just find amazing how she could see the like she could tell like okay looking at the makeup and blood that was on his shirt she could determine like how the person had held him when he was unconscious like that's insane like i honestly don't know if i could be that good but also part of me is like maybe because i've never been in a situation where i really needed to put pieces together and all the evidence was like in front of me in a, a real case i wonder if i could put pieces together like she could now when she's back in her office and her secretary her assistant the lady assistant um, Diana Sims and Joe Blinn, this sexy um, press agent. Um, they're talking about how they can't believe that he was the the um, that one guy was the killer, and she's like, "Good, because he wasn't. He was framed." And the lady looked suspicious. Um, Diana Sims looked very like the when Jessica said um, he was framed. She was, it was almost like she was the one who framed him or was part of it and that she couldn't believe that she actually figured that out because it was, like, so far-fetched. But, like, I could just be reading into it. I'm not sure. Um, but she definitely has something to do with it. So the next scene, the other, the two other male senators, um, Ray Dixon and Harold DeWitt, I think they're senators or congressmen, um, they confront each other. Um, they find out that um, that lady was murdered, and now they're like convinced the other did it. Um, so obviously, when people um, are unsure of who to trust, they end up flailing and bringing up, uh, digging up all sorts of secrets and. Um, Creating even more scandals. So Harold DeWitt um, tells Ray Dixon that, you know, if we're getting dragged into a murder investigation, I'm going to protect myself, not you. And seconds before that, he accuses Ray of having a temper and believes that he was the murderer. And why the F would you tell the murderer or someone with a temper or good with revenge that you weren't going to help them out. Why would you act crazy? Why would you give show them your hand? That's so ridiculous. If you suspect someone of murder. Or know someone like that. Who's a politician. Or you know them for being. I mean they helped move a dead body. They didn't kill the body. Because the man died on his own. But like. That sort of person. You don't show them your whole hand. You play it cool. And you don't... Um, you don't panic in front of them. Because then they will come up with an even more devious plan than you could ever imagine to cover their ass. And you might get in more trouble. So um, keep your issues to yourself. <laughs> if you suspect someone of murder, be cool. Okay, so the next scene shows the outside... Um, of the late, fuck, what's her name? Um, Diana Sims, her house. 
And it looks like the house Murphy Brown lived in in Murphy Brown. Um, which is funny because it's also set in D.C. Um, I might look that up later to see if that is the same outside shot of the house they used for Murphy Brown. Which I think is out, was out on the... As, fuck, words. Um, I think it was... It aired around the same time as Murder, She Wrote, so that would... It's a little different, but it's very similar. Okay, well, surprise. Diana goes into her house, and there's a Thor... Um, Thor... Oh, uh, random. The random... Oh! Oh, 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 oh! I think he's the environmentalist guy. The environmental guy that she was mean to earlier... And his tie club is missing. Oh, I bet that's going to be a clue. See, I could totally be Jessica Fletcher. Um, he was in her apartment, and they're clearly lovers. And then he showed her that he's being blackmailed for a different reason. And there's a picture of him and a lady in bed together. And he said that they're fake, um, but that they have duplicates of the fakes. Um, and... The letter with it is blackmailing him, and the blackmail is stay away from Jessica Fletcher. Okay, so I watched that back again, and Marta, the one who was murdered, there are blackmail photos of him and Marta in bed, but he's claiming that they're fake, but that'll still implicate him in her murder. And also, he looks familiar. Why do people, why do blackmailers think blackmail's gonna work? Never fucking listen to a blackmailer. Like, they're, if the police are invest, I've said this in other episodes, if the police are investigating a murder and you're being blackmailed, they're gonna root around and root around until they figure out that you might have a motive and then they're gonna find the blackmail or whatever. And then they're going to think you have a motive because you hid the blackmail. And then um, it's all going to come out eventually. At least in these shows it does. And in real life it also comes out too. Like, shit always comes out. So, why waste money, waste time with kowtowing to a blackmailer? Because if someone knows and they have the time to blackmail you, then other people probably know too. So just fucking... Let it go. Alright, so... The detective and Jessica go into the dead lady's apartment. And... She, I thought maybe that she'd find the tie clip from the environmental guy that's dating Diana. Um, and that would tie to them to the crime, maybe? Um, I don't know what happens, but... Maybe? Um... I, like, I honestly, I'm pretty sure I watched this episode years ago, but I do not remember, like, any of it. I don't remember what happens. Um, so my guesses are as pure as anyone who hasn't watched it. Um, there has to be something with that tie clip because the camera was so obvious in showing just the tie clip. Um, so... They're looking around the uh, dead lady's apartment and Jessica finds looks at a photograph and it has the dead girl and 
Diana in it. And they, I think it looked like they went to high school or college together. Next scene, Jessica is having um, lunch or dinner or whatever with Kay Shepard. I have no idea who that is at the moment. But I noted that Jessica said, thanks for having me to dinner, Mrs. Or should I say Miss Shepard? And she says, Miss. Like, totally, forever, always Miss. She said, uh, says something. Um, in um, a couple of decades ago, um, when you said you're a certified bachelor, that um, certified bachelor back then, I don't remember if it's now or then, but when you say certified bachelor, that means that you're gay. Um, um, in the 20s and 30s when they said it, I don't know if it had a different meaning. I think I might have it switched where now it means gay, but then it didn't, or then it did, and now it now it still does. Um, but the way she said it, like she's like, I'm always missed equivocally, blah blah blah, and it made me wonder if that is the case with her. She is awesome, all I have to say. She is wearing a red velvet beret, holding her cat in a restaurant, and that's all I aspire to be. Um and then the waiter or a butler comes over with a glass of milk and she's like feeding her cat at the table. And Jessica's like, what the fuck? Oh, Kay Shepard is the gossip journalist. Okay, they mentioned her earlier and Jessica didn't want to meet with her. I'm, I'm getting it. I'm watching this in like five minute chunks here and there so I can watch it and then talk about it immediately. So, um, yeah, now I know. Okay, so... 2020 people up in here, they're dropping the word clout. Um, Kay Shepard is like, I can tell you information you want to know about the dead girl if you give me an exclusive interview when the case is over. And Jessica's like, all right, I'm listening. But she didn't say all right. She just said, I'm listening, Like, which was like a coy way of her alluding to that fact that she agreed without actually agreeing. Um. And she said, er, she said she couldn't go to the police with the information because she has to live in the town and Jessica doesn't. So she can tell Jessica and Jessica can do the, with the information whatever she wants. And, she's, and then she says that the way they get around the town is she has clout. Clout runs everything. And honestly, it's so funny to hear her say clout because, like, that's such, like, a, like, a a rap term nowadays like that you only hear clout when like in a rap song um which obviously is not how it originated but see, seeing a um seeing an old white rich lady in a hotel who's into politics and gossip in the 1980s talking about how clout runs the world is so great so the information that Miss Simmons gives isn't like in my opinion it isn't that great. She says that she said that the dead lady was playing both sides of the field and that her and I forget who she said, hold on. I forget who she said she was they said she came out of the Watergate Hotel with a man. Okay, it was Dixon. Dixon is the older guy that um 
Harold thinks is the murderer and they had that fight and I said that if you know someone is capable of murder, you shouldn't show them your hand. So he's the older guy. Um, they say, and um, Kay Shepard. Oh, it's Miss Shepard, not Miss Simmons. I don't know what the hell's wrong with me. Um, she said that um, the girl that's now dead came out of the water gate and she was really upset and that Dixon followed her and they got into a, like he grabbed her and they got into an altercation. Jessica, of course, wanted to know what they fought about, but Kay didn't know because she claimed she was in her car, but she's real coy about how she said that. And, um, and then she said that, which is, she said that he looked as though he could have murdered someone. Um, like he his if looks could kill kind of thing, which is clearly like it's such a cliche to have that, but also like that's what people would say like in reality if they were if they knew a murder investigation was going on, they would like equate anger to murder immediately because that's what's at stake um so like. Normally, they probably would have been like, oh, he looked so mad. But, like, because they know she was killed, they're like, oh, he looked like he was going to murder. Um, and that's a phrase used anyway. So it, it has extra punch when it actually is murder. Um, which makes me think that he maybe didn't do it because they're emphasizing that he looked like he could have killed her in that moment. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. So, when Jessica takes um, Pretty Ecological Boy and Diana, um, she finds out about the blackmail that they're seeing each other, all that stuff. Takes him to the police station. Um, and the detective's like, I think the guy who killed her, he said something, it's the same person as this. And Jessica's like, why do you think it's a guy? Like, slipping in that women's equality. Women can be murderers, too. Shit. Jessica's so cool. Like, fuck. She's so cool. Okay, so earlier I said when the one guy, um, when, when the one guy, um, <laughs> I fucking don't know anyone's names. Um, Oh, crap. I accidentally, um... <laughs> um, so... When Dixon and that one guy were in the bar, and I mentioned that, if you think someone is capable of murder, like that guy thought Dixon was, and kind of was, like, assuming he was the murderer, um, you don't reveal your hand. But for some reason, when Jessica does it, it's totally fine. Because... Well, I think it's because she is not invested in the actual events. She doesn't have any blackmail on her. She's not wasn't involved in the DC scene at all. Um, and when she's done there, she's just going to leave. Like she doesn't have any um, personal ties into that. So like, and also she's almost untouchable. She's a famous figure. So if someone killed her, like huge red flag. So if someone killed her, that would essentially be. 
an admission of guilt to the other stuff. Um, so I think it's interesting how they framed that where the one guy accusing Dixon made him look very weak and like uncertain of everything and he was flailing. It's almost like if they're in a boat, two people in a rowboat, and then one starts to panic and stands up and starts rocking the boat, the other guy is gonna like either like they're not they're gonna steady the boat so they don't fall in. And they're not gonna give a shit about the other person, most likely. At least Dixon is seems to be that way. But with Jessica, it was almost like they're both in the boat and she's rocking the boat, but also like she has control over the boat. Like she's the one controlling the rocking of the boat. Um, and I find that a very interesting quality, especially because everything Jessica does is very calculated. So when Dixon was talking to her, she's like, wow, you're really good at lying. Instead of just calling him out, um, dramatically and saying like oh my gosh you're totally the killer i'm accusing you of this like she coyly played his game and she does that in most episodes where he's a really good liar so she commended him on his excellent um portrayal um his excellent lying skills um and i think that's uh, really interesting and also, she didn't do that to just let him know, hey, I know that you're probably the killer, or I know you're involved. She, it, like the other guy did, he was, like, revealing his hand. Jessica did it, most likely, to set things in motion to bring the kill to flush the killer out. She wants to see how people react in certain situations. Okay, so Jessica has a committed meeting. She blows in, tells her assistant a bunch of random stuff, which, it, the way she's acting, it kind of sounds like she's lying about a bunch of stuff. But she tells her assistant that, the male assistant, um, Joe Blinn, that um, she has, like, she's heard something from Kay, the socialite gossip columnist person, um, that... There is someone also outside the late dead lady's um, apartment and that they think they saw Dixon going in there and he's the one who probably took the photo and that he's the one who set all this up and framed the other guy. And then he's like, well, what do we do? And she's like, we have to go get inside of his penthouse. And then he's like, okay, well, when do we go? And she's like, oh, no, I have the committee meeting. Um, so she goes off to that. And I'm assuming that that's he, she's setting him up. Alright, so Jessica um, shows uh, Ray Dixon what she's made of when they're in the meeting. She calls him out. It's a really great scene. Um, I'm not going to explain it. Um, just worth watching. Um, I was right. Her assistant... Joe Blinn is sneaking into the penthouse, which is essentially she set up, obviously. And I find that he is a very good actor. Or the makeup artist is good, or the filming is good, based on the whole episode. He seemed like a happy-go-lucky, really good, 
good, um, charming, innocent man up until this scene where he sneaks into the penthouse. He has the same hair and everything. Same, but his, the way, I think it's his acting or maybe the way the scene's shot. That he now, you know, like he, something's up. And his facial expressions. This whole episode, he's been, like, you can tell, like, it's just so amazing how he's portrayed differently in, like, two separate scenes that are seconds, well, minutes apart. Man, his happy-go-lucky attitude at the beginning. Oh, man. He just is a totally different person, and it's just brilliant. So, the killer, spoiler alert, is Joe Blinn. Um... The dead lady was working for him. A whole bunch of shit. Um, the the standoff between Jessica and Joe. She does not back down. She has a piercing gaze. And he saunters over to her. His face as cold as ice. Soulless. Says that he sells, buys and sells people just like everyone else in the town. So, Jessica's talking about how, um, she, she, um, after, uh, Joe Blinn is carried, um, let out by the police officer, um, Jessica says, you know, he's not right, not everyone in this town is bad, you know, for every bad, there's good, and and the detective said something that is very interesting, um, and it applies to the news today. He said, yeah, but the good guys, like, I'm paraphrasing, he said, he was like, yeah, but the good guys are never in the newspaper. You never hear about them. And that's so true. You only hear about the arrests, about the crime, about the, no one wants to read. I mean, feel-good stories are a thing, but you don't hear about the everyday instances of people following the laws and doing the right thing you only hear about the bad stuff and that's very true and in the end you also find out that her the cannery bill thing she won unanimous vote blah 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 so they really punch up the jewish angle at the end um the detective is clearly jewish and i find like he's definitely a huge jewish stereotype and I find that a little bit much. Um, I would have liked if they could have played him like a normal person. Um, And then at the end, it sounds like Jewish music when Jessica and the detective are leaving. Um, I could be wrong, but it's weird. Um, But you can tell the detective is very into Jessica. There are several scenes throughout the episode where he's... um, He's very enamored with her. Um, so he asks her out to lunch and they go together and that's the end of the episode. And I did not remember any of that and I really liked it. I remember watching it a while ago and loving it. And this time around I also loved it. It was very good. Um, still I find the best episodes are set in Cabot Cove. So probably the next episode I'm going to do will be set in Cabot Cove. Um, I'm really excited um, to do some episodes when we get there to, of season two because that's when the character of um, shit, I'm so bad with names, um, Dr. Seth Hazlitt 
Um, he's a world-renowned actor. Did I think he did Broadway and stuff. Um, he becomes a regular on the show as a doctor in um, Cabot Cove. So um, he's uh, probably my second. He's definitely my almost first. I love Jessica, of course. So he's my second favorite character on the show. He's he's just as um just as well played and well researched and a whole like developed character as Jessica is. So we'll do that to look forward to. Um, thanks everyone for listening to the Murder She Spoke podcast, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you.